0: are listening to the Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal: get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, the Running Public.
1: You've really taken
0: that wall seriously. Did those people give you those shoes for free, or is that is that something you paid for? This is my favorite shoes I've ever run in. Wall, it's my wall of fame. So some of them are shoes I bought throughout the years. And others are like the super shoes are shoes that were sent to me. I was about to say, if you
1: actually paid for all of those, that's probably about three to five thousand dollars worth of shoes.
0: It's it's the most valuable thing I own in my life. Everything else is just dust and dirt. Dust in the wind, Hunter. Dust in the wind. What do you got? I was
1: just gonna say, it's in, in the in a in like the true fashion of being in London, I'm going to pour myself a cup of tea. Earl Gray? No, this is peppermint, bruh. Let me fill this thing up. Let's press record in two seconds. Hold on. Might as well just press record and let's get this thing started.
0: Oh, it's already been pressed. I don't want this thing to like
1: blow up, so keep an eye on behind me.
0: Got the percolator percolating? Getting populated. Holy crap, dude. Is your life chaotic right now? You're still overseas. Are we recording? Yeah. I mean, you can answer and then I can cut it out if you want. If no, you no, a no, real no. answer Versus just, a fake answer.
1: No, 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 no. I just didn't fully understand. I was going to like talk about, you know, my private parts for a second, but then let's keep that for later. Either or. Yeah. My life's chaotic. Actually, I just did a newsletter. I do a newsletter now because I want to stay in touch with
0: my fans. I get so much spam from you. It's unreal. Well, you know. Every day I wake up and Hunter's in my inbox and I read it and I and I look at it. And then I move on with my day. you start my day.
1: Thank you. Well, you know, I'm actually trying to take life pretty seriously these days. like I, I understand that if I actually care and do something that has like direction in my in my posts, then it really does have a direct outcome, like you know, that is going to influence what I want from my day. And for the longest time, like I I got on social media or did whatever the heck I wanted. And I would just like post me like flexing or say something stupid or have a video of me chasing an animal. And that stuff's like all who I really am. But if you do want to take life seriously and like start a business like you and I both have in the most recent years, you have to like make some impactful decisions in the way that you post. And um, newsletters are a big part of it. It's actually been really incredible. I hear some tea starting to burble in the background. Yeah, I'll. Uh, I'm gonna stop that. So let me just read what my schedule was over the past six days. So it's called the Hyrox Puma Tour, and we were going around with fittest PR, and we traveled over a thousand kilometers, a dozen workouts, and a lot of sweat is what we said. So day one, we started out at Whithouse London. We did what's called a CrossFit total. That's a squat a shoulder press and a deadlift. And I got 470 kilos, which is like 130 pounds. Then I did what's called 130 sorry, pounds, 1000, no, 1030 1, pounds. Sorry. Between those three lifts. Uh, then we did, uh, high rocks PFT, which is their new fitness tests. Um, it's just a shit ton of stuff. I did that in 1630 after that. I couldn't walk. Then we flew to Scotland and then we did next workout where we filmed, Three hundred reverse lunges with a fifty pound uh well that I actually some five hundred pounds whoops fifty pound kettlebell, and every time you broke, you have to push a fifteen meter sled and increase the weight every single time you broke, so it gets worse nice. then we, then we did a beer mile, then we did a run to the top of what's called Arthur's seat, which is a small mountain in the center of uh Edinburgh, which is incredible, like it is so picturesque. Mind-blowingly beautiful. I cannot begin to tell you guys. If you're ever out there, go do it. Um, Day three, we did a triathlon. Five. That was all swim. in day one and two. Yep, that was just day one and day two. So you went from not walking to doing
0: two more workouts that day.
1: No, no, to the following day. I literally did those. Yeah, I could not walk at all. Like cramping, completely, like devastated. And these are all. The whole point of this tour was to go meet with all the fittest people in the UK. So they took me on a tour to meet like the best CrossFitters, the best endurance athletes, like just crazy shit. So then we did the Scottish triathlon and I swam in the North Sea in my underwear for 500 meters. Then we did a 22 mile bike and then we did a five k out and run took almost all day because of the filming aspects of it. So it wasn't intense, but it was very long, which is worse. Standing and
0: filming so many times standing still with under the, the elements it's, it's a, it's a nightmare.
1: It, it was honestly like the, the hurry up and wait things you've experienced it. We both have. It's just, it's a headache and a half day. Four was only a rest day. I had, I had a movement assessment with these guys, uh, Fred Silcock and Ash. They're both really, really smart. And trust me, if you ever get a movement assessment Bracken, you'll feel such like such an inferior person, it's kind of mind blowing.
0: Do I need to go see Silcock and Ash or see
1: someone yeah. else? No, you need to see the Silcock and the Ash. Um, they're both great guys. Uh, next I went to go meet with Zach George. He's the number one crossfitter in the UK. Uh, I did a six mile run in the morning and then I did 10, ten rounds of 10 calorie bike, three muscle ups f- into a 200 foot handstand walk. And then we did this handstand push up, toe to bar workout, which was massive.
0: After the 200 foot. Yep. Handstand walk times 10.
1: Yep. Uh, and then we did. Five rounds of 30 calorie row and every single time in between the sets, you did five cleans the first round, four cleans, three, two, one. And by the end of it, I was at my absolute max, the heaviest I ever lifted when I was lifting in, in the CrossFit Games time. I lifted that day after all these other workouts. Um, now I'll say this
0: before we go on. I don't think anyone on the planet works out with more volume or density than triathletes and CrossFitters. It is out of this world, the amount of density and volume most people have.
1: Which is so crazy because they're completely at the opposite side of the spectrum. This person over here, the triathlete, will spend nearly 30 hours a week of almost all cardiovascular with maybe like, let's say 28 hours of cardiovascular and maybe two hours like in maybe only 30 minutes of her true strength work. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas the CrossFitters are literally doing gymnastic intervals and weightlifting intervals for close to 25 hours a week no questions asked. And, uh, then we had one, uh, I don't even need to tell you the last day. It just was more horrible stuff, more handstand walks, track work, um, heavy lifting just blew my body apart. And you're in different time zones. I'm sure everything's off. Do you want to know something that's sensitive, sensitive information?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that this is a good time to share it.
1: Uh, I'm just telling you this because I, listen, I try to be a little bit more PG 13 these days. I definitely have said some wild things on podcasts. The worst, most stressful thing that I'm going through right now, ever since I got my COVID shot, I haven't taken a solid P O O P since then. There's something wrong with my immune system. I don't know what the heck's going on.
0: How long has that been?
1: I'm probably on my fifth week.
0: Five weeks and not a solid poop yet.
1: One. It was like the, it was like the eye of the storm. Like I was like, Oh my God. We're clear of it. And then the next day it was just like, Ugh. I was like, no, we're still in the middle of it. That's not
0: nice. ideal. I know.
1: My life's effed. Hmm. So yeah, there's been, um, you know, it's interesting. This is actually the only hotel that has like a real blanket. Every other hotel I've stayed at as I had like, like a, like a wet spongy sheet. Um, I don't think they also, they don't believe in air conditioning in Europe. It's just like not a thing that they do. Um, so there's been some interesting nights. How's the, the bre- hotel breakfast been for ya? you? You want to know something? I don't eat breakfast anymore. I was so disappointed with my results at High Rocks. I just like, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, fuck you. You did this to yourself. So I have not eaten breakfast. I haven't eaten until noon
0: every single day. And I've already lost uh, over 10 pounds. Okay. So I'm going to preemptively get ahead of all the people who get really, really upset right now because they don't know why you're doing it. Explain it to us. Because it's important, otherwise people are going to run the wrong direction for one way or another, saying like, oh, I need to stop eating if you're mad at myself, or he's an idiot, one of the two. I saw this the other day. Ryan Atkins made a post about talk encouraging
1: eating, and I was like, okay. And then some people, people commented below about like, oh, what's Hunter McIntyre have to say about this? Because I think they probably just recently saw about me talking about cutting calories. Mm-hmm. First of all, if you look at Ryan Atkins, I don't think in his entire racing career has ever been above 10% body fat. So somebody like that is in a position where they're probably always at a calorie deficit because the amount of volume that they do, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's training probably maybe 20 to 30% more than anybody else in OCR every single week, if not more, Mm -hmm. you know, the average person he's probably training almost double their volume. Um, if not triple. Like, you know, if you look look at somebody like Ian Hosick, I talked to him, I was like, you need to crank up your volume. Um, you know, I think Ryan's close to 30 plus hours a week. Ian's like around the 10 hour mark. Um, whereas I'm like a 16 to like 2020 20 guy. Uh I know that like there's this fine line of doing high rocks. There's like the people that are high rocks cardio and those people who are high rocks CrossFit or like strength. I am so this smite scale is so tipped towards the strength side. I showed up at the starting line at 212 pounds. Um, and that's just not like Toby, who won high rocks world championships, weighed 160 pounds. That's no, he didn't. Yeah, he did 160.
0: Yeah, I think he's 160 pounds. How weight. tall is he though? It's around my height. Wow, he I would have guessed 180, 185. No,
1: dude, Toby's his legs Toby. are just
0: that sticky. Oh yeah, totally. Toby has the bone structure of a bird.
1: I'm not trying to insult Toby by any means, but if you go meet up with him, like if you look at the way my shoulders are positioned, his are just like, he's within my shoulder base. And if you look at, if we turned us sideways, I probably have almost double the the depth volume in just the way that my body's developed. Definitely a slight man, incredibly strong, used to be on the national team for cycling, like just built differently. Um, but, you know, to come full circle, why some people may panic about this, um, the easiest way to really find out about sports science, if you really want to know about it and not have to go get a degree about it, go buy a book about Tour de France and go research what the Tour de France athletes do to get the most insane cardiovascular output of any athlete in the world. I think it's far more impressive than what you see some of these marathon runners do or track and field runners do. They are literally pushing the craziest amount of volume and the craziest amount of power output compared to any athlete in the world. And they do it for 21 days straight. Um, they'll teach you about the difference between strength. Uh, basically the, where the, the line of strength uh, meets weight to create wattage. There's an X, there's a direct dot on there that they found the exact number of, where I think it's like 13 watts per kilo. I can't remember the exact formula. So I'm bastardizing of this, but I used to know the number, like it was on the back of my hand. And once you reach that, like that is the golden number. If you are that person, you will win the tour de France to just, that's the number. So I just thought to myself, I was like, I'm way stronger than the field. And I just, I hurt myself this summer and I just kind of bodybuilded And ate food and chilled out, hung out with my family. And I was like, I could have done more work, but also the, probably the thing that could have made things easiest on me is like, if I knew I wasn't putting in the volume that I needed, I probably should not have eaten the amount of food that I did. And I just got big and there's nothing wrong with being big, but there's just, there's
0: opportunities to be less big. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this in other areas of your life, but you don't seem to have an emotional attachment to things like that where you look at, you can look at yourself and be like, all right, I'm going to drop 20 pounds because I'll be a better athlete. And that's it. It is simply a, an equation to you worse for other people that'll come along with body dysmorphia or depression, or, or I am only happy when the scale says certain things. Yours is a performance-based weight drop.
1: Yeah. It's not even the same conversation. Like I, mine is entirely to reach a goal. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a position that you don't feel comfortable with that, that's, It's something that this conversation, like I'm not trying to even, uh, broach that conversation at all.
0: Like I'm just trying to get to a certain weight so that I can crush people in races. So you picked the worst time ever to do it, which is right before a ton of wads of intensity with all these people and your body has to be just feeling miserable right now.
1: Um, do you know, do you ever train so hard? And so if you don't eat enough protein, your body will uh, break down proteins inside your body and it starts to make the smell of ammonia. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you literally go near any of my sweaty shirts, it, like my, my, my room smells like a chemical factory. Every time I lift up my sheets, when I get, when I wake up in the morning, it smells like somebody put ammonia tablets
0: in my bed. You're scatabolizing muscle at this point.
1: Probably. I mean, listen, it doesn't matter. I've got too much of it anyways. And you know, and so probably some like some doctor could probably look at this and be like, "That's terrible," Ugh. but uh, the reality is, is like I have the Spartan Games coming up soon. I have goals
0: that I want to um, reach, and I will get there by any means necessary. Well, and the reality is that your principles apply to the the sharp end of the spear. Like, you're at the top of whatever industry you go towards. Those principles of those athletes, the Tour de France, you, you know, the the Elliot Kipchoge, the best marathoners, the principles of their life cannot apply to the everyday person. Can't. It doesn't work that way. No. But it's interesting to listen to if you got the time. Yes, it is. Well, and those are the people that, like, break their ribs sneezing and like roll, get a leg cramp in bed and it breaks their, it breaks their femur or something. These are the people that are on such a fine edge of fitness to weight and all of that, that they get hurt doing anything other than their like specific straight ahead, like linear movement of cycling. Whereas you're following some of those principles in the most dynamic way possible. I remember
1: when I was wrestling that I would literally cut weight from, I was cutting weight from 190 to 165, which is massive. And I was already particularly lean at the time. I would get Charlie horses so bad that I would wake up in the middle of the night and it would hit my hamstring specifically. And I would jump out of bed and like hit the ground as if I had been shot. And it clearly is not something that like you, Want, like, that's not optimal performance, but you just end up putting yourself in those positions because of the stress that you're under to get to a certain position so you can perform at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Most people will never understand this, they'll probably look at this conversation and be like, Hunter's absolutely crazy. I don't know if Bracken's even entertaining this conversation, but I do truly love exper- experiencing these moments because these are truly. Uh, what I live for. It's what I spend all my time reading about because I obsess over it. And like those moments where you're on that kind of cliff edge and you almost slipped over and things could have gone so bad, but then all of a sudden you just kind of thread the needle and keep on going on and something incredible happens. It's kind of what I live for.
0: I think the worst thing that could have happened to you was winning U.S. High Rocks championships. And then the, the best thing? thing was then, yeah, yeah. I think that the best thing for you was losing worlds because obviously it refocused you Like in a, in a second, you were probably by station six already planning what you were going to do after the race and changing everything, like running run seven, run eight. I'm assuming you were already like F this. Why did I let this get this far? I'm doing this, this, and this is that, is there any truth to that? Oh no, I it was, it's completely honest. I actually told the people
1: tonight, and this is funny. You'll probably hear this. Um, I was telling the people tonight, they're like, so what's your mantra and stuff? And I was like, do you want to know what I was saying in Leapseek? It was only two words. And they're like, what? I said, Brian Atkins. I just said, Brian Atkins over and over again in my head the entire time. And it's not like Ryan did anything to me, but I just realized I'm not like, I've already lost this race, but if you actually have enough dignity and care enough about yourself, you have to understand that this, this race is already done, but you have one five weeks from now against a far more talented not sorry that's rude to say just a a competitor that i know is is very very challenging for me to compete against and i was just like you have to care about that day this day Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to get through it and you're gonna have to bite your tongue and you're just gonna have to accept it you have to focus immediately on what's going on next so that night i drank the next night i had a couple more beers but then by the time the week was up like
0: I was hundred percent focused on what was five weeks ahead. I know you slipped off this route prior, but you got away with it in Chicago. What's that? Like you were going in on your marathon training and you had your injuries and you were doing less of other things, but like you said, still living your your nutrient dense lifestyle and whatever else you were doing, but you got away with it in chicago you yeah. were st- like you had your slowest time ever, but you still won and and I'm assuming that just wasn't the you respond well to rock bottom or what you perceive as rock bottom. Had you gotten beat, let's say Kent was there or Lucas switched nationalities and came in and, and pulled off a win because they've both gone sub 60 and no one else there could go sub 60. Say you would have got beat in Chicago. Would you have made that turnaround seven weeks earlier or five weeks earlier and had a had had that world championship and then the Spartan game subsequently go differently? Or did you need it on the world stage?
1: No, it would have been anything. I mean it would have it would have been it would have been just accelerated and it would have happened that day. So what happened after High Rocks World Championships is I went home. Uh sorry, High Rocks Nationals. I went home. Mm-hmm. Um, I prepared my house uh, up in the mountains and I kind of just dicked around and I was doing a lot of work to prepare my house because I rented it out while I was gone um this summer and I knew I was uh, it was gonna be gone for a long time, so I wanted to have it rented. So I just didn't, and I got injured, so then all of a sudden I wasn't running. And it was just like, and I didn't even think I was really going to go to um, high rocks and world championships because I knew I was launching OCR stars again. And I was like, I got to stay focused on this. So I like all these factors just kind of going on. So I just, you know, listen, this could sound like excuses, but I'm just giving you exactly what happened with my life. And then I went and visited my family for four weeks and we stayed at the beach in Rhode Island and we ate and we drank and we celebrated life. And like much like what you told me you did this summer, at, um with your family. It's just like a, mm-hmm. if you're going to spend time with family, you're going to do what family does. You're not going to try to train at the, you know, your peak performance. And. I did it all gladly. Like it was really cool. I bought my first house and I was like doing a lot of like cool stuff. I was like working on it and everything like that. And I loved it. And then I spent time with my family and I loved it. And if I had lost in uh, national championships, I would not, I would go home and I would not have talked to anybody. Like ever since I lost this race, I haven't really talked to very many people in my family or many of my friends, because I don't want to have to explain myself. I don't want to have to go through the conversation of what's next. I just, am like, I'm just going to start doing it. So by the time I get there and people find out what happened, like at the end of this road, I just did everything rather than having to like explain it to people. They just saw it happen. So I would have gone back up into the mountains or Malibu and just focused. And I would have just take out the knife and whittle the stick. That's just what you got to do.
0: Yeah. So you have how much time? Four weeks left now? Four Four weeks. Spartan games.
1: Yeah. And I think even though this was a really challenging schedule, what we're doing over here, I actually think it's kind of beneficial because every single day I would just show up to set and they would tell me you have to do X and you have to do it at utmost intensity. Um, I was like, this is a really cool opportunity. I never know what the heck I'm going to do. It's
0: a little simulation for Spartan Games. Yeah, Spartan Games. Mm -hmm. Multiple events, always being trashed, having to show back up and perform.
1: Yeah, it doesn't feel great.
0: I want to get to OCR stars eventually, but you you kind of piqued my interest when you were talking about volume of people training yeah. and how you told hosek he needs to train more. And I think that that's always been your role for people around a, around you in this industry is that you can look through the BS. Like there's so many times in my training, you're like, what are you, what are you doing that for? I'm like, well, I have this, th- this thing in mind. And you're like, stop it. Just lift more and run more. You know, you're just like, you can't be good if you don't do at least 15 hours of cardio a week in this sport. And you just cut through the, the nonsense and noise and just tell people you need to be better. And some people that would be an insult from, and from you, I feel like it's always like, okay, he's been there, he's done it. And he'll say it to a competitor, even if it makes them better. But you, a couple of years ago said that there was only one person other than Atkins and Albin training correctly in our sport. And that it was Johnny, Johnny Luna Yeah. Because he was adding on a ton of biking and he was doing, what, 15 to 17 hours a week of cardiovascular training. And then he came out and he won two National Series races. And even though he didn't have the performance at Worlds he wanted, he was suddenly the talk of the town for this guy's going to win Worlds. And, like, you saw what was happening because you saw the volume of training. I guess my question is, why aren't people embracing the volume like you know it has to be done? What's the common answer? Cause you've told me this, you've told Ian this apparently, and I know you've told other people, what's the common answer you get from us that, why aren't we doing 20 hours a week of training? I have a,
1: I have a common mutual friend and I had a conversation with him. I think it was actually a breaking point in one of, in our friendship when I said it to him and we were talking about training differences and I told him straight to his face. And I was like, it was in front of some people and it wasn't meant to be insulting at all. It was just like, and that's why you didn't you got like you did so poorly at x race it's just because what you're doing is not what's necessary to be the best you're doing what you like to do you're not doing what's necessary and that's just a it, you just have to have this conversation in your head if if you your favorite version of training like i remember when we were we were training um years ago uh all of us were in the house uh, it was matt kempson uh, shit, Matt Kempson, Yatskow, myself, and Kent. Mm-hmm. And we reached this point where the four of us were training all – Kent never always kind of trained on his own, but the four of us were all training together. And then all of a sudden, Kempson kind of branched off a little bit and then – and Kent kind of branched off a little bit and then Yatskow and I just kept on cruising forward on this like kind of like righteous,
0: ridiculous training volume load. Isn't that funny but perfect that Yatskow was – the most different person in the world physically from you there. Yeah. And yet he's the one who was just going to ride it out. Well, we just rode it out, dude. And we were, it was like kind
1: of like riding like horses through the desert and there's just no water out there. Like we knew we had to get somewhere and we knew that the, like the risks that came along with pushing at this level was it could crash us. And I actually did get hurt. Um, uh, I got hurt just before Beckenridge and I kind of, kind of snapped under the volume and he even kind of snapped under the volume but that's what was necessary. It just was. It's just like, what's the point of going for this? Why even play the game if you're not going to play it at the like the possibilities that you could play at your highest? And like I've lost a lot of friends um, and offended a lot of people through it because honesty, I think, is just such a cool opportunity to like really just just lay it out there. Like that's that's just, hey man, like these are the facts. And the 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 good ones rise to the occasion, and the ones that put emotion into it are the ones that kind of crumble behind it, and it sucks because I think actually the highest level of sport doesn't have any emotion. It's either very
0: r- related to religion or narcissism. I would agree. It's why the people leave and are either incredible humans or terrible humans. <laughs> the the religious spiritual types go out and like make the world better wherever they go. And the narcissist leaving like, I have nothing else in my life and everyone hates me. Yeah. I mean, look at Lance, you know, look at Michael Jordan. Like they just leave a trail of divorces and angry people behind them.
1: Yeah. But sometimes you just have to make that decision. Like it's like one of these kind of things where it's like, I, I say this often and it offends a lot of people. No one writes books about good husbands. They just don't. They don't write books about good friends. Yeah. They write books about you know world World War like two, con- like conquerors, and people who have won you know the Indy five hundred fucking twenty times or the person like people who have clearly like had to like step on people, push people out of the way, alienate themselves, and do crazy fucking things are the ones that for some reason captivate us and get all of the attention for doing these extreme things. But if you really looked at their life under a microscope, it's kind of a level of insanity.
0: It's really popular right now because of basketball. Kobe's passing made everyone look and be like Mamba mentality. And all these stories come out of people who he pissed off everyone he ever played with. But there's three types of people. They're the types that look around. I would say you're up there. Ryan Atkins is up there. They'll look around and they're constantly scoping out what everyone else is doing. And no one ever has to have the conversation with them, you know, you should be doing more because they already know what everyone's doing and they're trying to do it better and do it more. Then there's a second type of person who is unaware that they're unaware. But as soon as someone like you steps in and tells them, listen, you're doing it wrong, you need to do better. They just go, oh my goodness, I've seen the light. Like I'll do whatever you ask. And then there's the third type who either knows they're not doing it right or they're unaware. And when someone like you steps in, they get really offended and they turn away. Yeah. And you hear it with Kobe, like people left his team because he couldn't deal with them and they couldn't deal with him. And so they just left. And then there were the people who became like his disciple. And now they're the all NBA players, but people forget. And maybe it's this day and age of coddling. And I'm going to sound like an old man on my porch, but because we have to be so sensitive of everyone, we forget that one of the greatest displays of caring about someone is telling them a hard truth. Oh, yeah. Like If you don't like someone, you're going to make a snarky comment behind their back or you're going to be a dick to their face. If you care about someone, you're going to look at them and say, hey, you're screwing up and here's what needs to be changed. And that's like a show of love rather than a show of arrogance. Yeah. The fact that you would set yourself up to lose the relationship means you value it. And people miss that a lot. A lot of truth behind that. You know, the greatest thing that I actually
1: got out of this entire trip, um, I, I kind of been training by myself ever since I left the Colorado house. And, like, I've had a couple training camps, but they've been very short-lived. Um, but I've been training by myself uh, primarily. And the cool thing is while I was traveling around doing all this uh, this fitness tour, every single place I went to, there was it was a CrossFit team. Mm-hmm. And, dude, the pack mentality of these hardworking dudes – was awesome. And they're all ribbing each other the whole time in a positive way, but like there's something special about that like you know, if you were if you and I went into the gym by ourselves and we did something and like we had a goal of hitting it and then we didn't make it, we have this opportunity of just walking out of there and being like it's okay. But if you're there with a partner and I'm like listen dude, I know you're a pussy And you missed that last mark. I'm going to give you 60 seconds rest and you got to get back on the treadmill and you need to hold it for three minutes at this pace or you you fucking are wasting my time and your time. Like, ah, when I started doing that, man, I wrote about it. I was like, that was the greatest thing that I got exposed to during this thing. And I think just during, um, during COVID, I think a lot of people allow themselves to kind of separate. And, uh, a lot of like feelings were hurt and emotions were raised up, but I'm, I'm really excited to get back into the pack mentality. I really want to go
0: back. McCauley's been home twice in the last month now. He's home right now and we've been working out and it shocked me, blew my mind how much I missed having training partners because the decision's not present anymore. If no one's there, you get to decide what happens. If there's just another body in the room, there's no decision. You're just getting it. You're starting because he's there and you're yep. finishing because he's there and you don't think about it. And if there was a moment of weakness, like you said, the other person seemed to be like, Hey, just finish. Yeah, exactly. Or if he's not there, you're just not even going to start half the time, but you will back off. So is your brother going to move back? No, not at all. Not he, so he's, he's actually married now. And so. Uh, she her visa is not being approved and so they cannot come over until her visa is approved her dad is hungarian and her mom's russian and because of the russian there because of the stuff going on with like the stupid politics that our nations play they keep denying her her visa because of her russian ancestry and she has r- dual russian and hungarian citizenship so they're just not letting her in it's super odd so they're going to move back here, but it won't be here. They'll move to California or Colorado when they get approved. Where would they move in California? I don't know. Her brother is over in one of the Santas or one of the Claras or something in that area. So they they are thinking Santa Clara is
1: really close to me.
0: And I don't know if it's Santa Clara or Santa Barbara or Barbara Clara. There's a lot of, a lot of females out there who are saints that I'm not sure about. Dude, there's something good about California life. There's something good about it. There's also
1: something like... If you could, if you could do everything all over again, and you didn't have your family. Where would you be right now?
0: If I were a single person, I would either be in Colorado, Alaska, or California. Why Alaska? I think it'd be so great to just disappear up into a uh, house outside Anchorage and have sea level training with massive mountains. That would be incredible. Not long term, a couple years, but like the ultimate getaway and train house. I love Alaska. But yeah, California or Colorado if I was stateside. When are you going to buck up and come out to the training cabin? You know what? I couldn't handle it right now. You don't have to
1: train. You know what? Here's an awesome offer. I offered this to Matt uh, Matt B Davis, but he is doing he's too packed. But why don't you come out for the Spartan um, the Spartan race and then stick around for a couple of days and you can get some interviews
0: at the Spartan games. Where is it happening? It's in Big Bear. Oh, I didn't realize that. Is it happening after the beast? Directly after the beast. Like we have to show up. Um, well, that's good for you. Hopefully Atkins races.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I was
0: supposed to sign the
1: NDA today. So I didn't sign it. So I'm going to share just a little bit of information that I know that probably everybody knows. But it's in Big Bear. And it's right after the Big Bear race. So just using the same venue.
0: I don't know much else. But um, okay. you could come. Listen, I, Lisa on the couch the other night, two nights ago. She and Macaulay are sitting there, and and he asked me, "Why are you doing this?" Like, I I had said. Uh, he said, "What's your goal?" I said, "I need to get fast again and just find out one last time. Like, once I'm, once I hit a number I like, like a number I could always hit in my workouts. Find out has the sport passed me by or can I still do this?" And he's heard it for two years now. Ever since each knee surgery, I've been saying, "I just need to get back to that." He said, "Why? Why do you need that?" And I said. I I don't need it, but I just, I don't want to have a question later in life. And Lisa looked at me and said, then why aren't you doing it? And it was just one of those, like a truth slap across the face. I looked at her and she like went, Oh, Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I said, no, like that's, that's what you have to be able to tell me. But (laughs) anyway, if everyone around me knows this, even my wife will say it to me and my wife tries never to hurt my feelings. So that's a sweet woman. That's what you got to have. Right. So anyway, my point being, If there ever is a chance of doing it right ever again, it has to be done every opportunity you get. And being at a training camp is the absolute opportunity. So I will come out.
1: Okay. It's an open invitation. It's an open invitation. When you were saying like training at sea level, but having massive mountains, that's what the cool place about this cabin is literally on each side of the mountain
0: is below a thousand feet and the mountains go all the way up to just over 10,000 around my house. And I love altitude. I was at my best when I was at altitude, but at the same time, it's so destructive to me. Really it's really hard for me to live a happy life at altitude sometimes because i bad sleep, I don't sleep as well, and I feel like crap, so it gets me fit, but in terms of life happiness, it's nice to be able to get some intensity at sea level from yeah. time to time. My house is at five thousand feet, and I don't have a problem there at all. That's a good amount. We were at seven seventy two hundred I think, and it was just high enough that my workouts were all at eight or nine, and
1: I always slept like shit in Durango, which just. Yeah. Awful. Kempson and I used to go up and go from Durango up to Telluride and we'd do like hard, hard days, like for three days straight. And by the end of the first day, we would be like hanging out of the tents, just like dead, like trying to get more oxygen into our bodies. Like we were devastated. It was probably the dumber dumber training that I've done, but it toughened us up. That was up at 9,000 feet to 11,000 feet when we were like, where we were sleeping. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's so high. We did a training block in in Crested Butte, which is 13,000 or is that right about 13 at the base, 15 at the top? I don't know, but that's very high. It was so high. And maybe it's only like 11 or 12 at the base and 14 at the top. It doesn't matter. It was like everything. Walking up the steps to your hotel room was misery. I tried to do a treadmill challenge there and I quit after like four minutes. I'm like, I cannot, I cannot do any intensity here. It was so difficult. You know, downhills, downhill mountain running when you're on like a fire road, you can kind of let loose and go and get your heart rate back down a little bit. Never. It was like, you never stopped climbing. It just, you couldn't recover. I wonder what the,
1: I guess Kenyans all train at 7,000 feet to 8,000 feet. There's got to be some, I have a book on altitude and it, does, it was actually a terrible book. I want to know kind of what the perfect, perfect altitude is. I, it's got to be somewhere it has to do with body mass meets cardiovascular potential versus um, your the way you re- respond, to, uh, your pulse oximeter response. There's got to be some kind of equation
0: that's probably popular
1: they could have out there.
0: I feel like it's be born at seven to nine. Live there through your formative years and then move down to like five to seven and train your training years there with the ability to go up if you need. If I could start over, I would pick my parents to have me at altitude. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start the formula now. Now that you mentioned that, I'm going to put that on the checklist. Have a baby at altitude? 100%. Yeah. Even 5,000. Being born at 5,000 in your formative years when, when your cardiovascular system develops, at altitude that's that's like a lifelong boost to your engine. I guess so. I mean I don't really know. Like those pathways develop with less oxygen. That's like weight training at birth.
1: If you think about it though, actually like I would say so there's like the Kilian Jornet who was like born in the mountains and lived in the mountains and was raised in the mountains. But then you think about the person who I think actually beat his record up Mount um Mount whatever the heck it's called in Alaska mm-hmm. was a kid who was a Nordic skier from Alaska. So he lived at sea level his whole life and he smashed Killian's time up like one of the harder mountain races in the entire world, basically a VK. And he was a Nordic skiing guy. He was on the Olympic team. So yeah. what what is the ultimate answer?
0: Well, I think the ultimate answer, answer, answer is that you take Killian and you give him real training. You don't think Killian trains well at all. I don't want to say that because that's disrespectful, but he is, his lifetime volume is elite of the elite, but his lifetime progression of strategic training is borderline non-existent. I thought
1: for a second, Solomon was offering to do a PR stunt where he was going to run the London
0: marathon. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. What happened to that? He got injured. He, as far as I recall, he started doing a structured training block. He started doing a lot of flat stuff. And right away, I was like Achilles or something popped up because he wasn't ready for it. And these mountain guys, a lot of them, their issue is they run in these like little Solomon shoes all the time. And then they get to a hard road and train for a marathon and think they can wear the same shoes with the same drop. And it's a totally different impact. They just get hurt.
1: I'm surprised somebody who, dude, they've got to have millions of dollars annually invested in that man's career. They do. That got to, so I'm surprised someone didn't get a hold
0: of him and try to change that. They don't offer Solomon, doesn't offer anything like that, and their, oh. their road line is so lacking. Oh, come on, dude! I'm sure like it's the same way Nike like builds
1: shoes specifically for races for people. True,
0: anyways, you know? I would if he grew, if he with his grow up, if he at like 15 was taken into an Olympic training center and they put him on a progressive training program like that kid, like that kid, I saw him, he wasn't the leanest kid in the world. He wasn't like a stick figure East, uh, East African who was just like skipping across the water, but his power output was so good. He just turned right guy? up. Yeah. He just churned up the mountain and he was so like every piece of him was fully bulletproofed and maxed out. Where Killian has maxed out his cardiovascular system and his ability to endure mountain running, but he's so frail. He could probably held the same output for five times the distance. Yeah, he could have done that ten times in one day, but he's so frail in certain other areas. There's just he has a ton of room for maxing out other areas that he hasn't needed or had any desire.
1: You know, in the research to do this um Clydesdale marathon like I had to like really reach into all the depths of the internet because I didn't want to all of a sudden show up do this thing and be like I did it and then all of a sudden someone come like someone just comes out of the woodwork and is like yeah dude like I did that like two years ago at this weight and I can prove it so I I did so much research to make sure I was safe I found this one guy he's probably about 15 to 20 pounds lighter than me at like my peak now. Like, yes. Dude, did you see he just ran a freaking 68 at a half marathon? I would say he's probably anywhere between like 88 and 90 kilos right now. But yeah, unbelievable.
0: I didn't believe him when I saw him. Seb Conrad, right?
1: Yeah. I actually – like I, I watch his videos. I hope he doesn't think I'm a bad guy for stalking him. But he does get on the scale one time, like truly, visibly get on the scale. And I think he gets on the scale with his – Running kit on, um, which is like you know outdoor warm kit, and I think he got on the scale at eighty seven kilos. So uh, I'll do the math real quick on my phone. I think
0: that's like one eighty seven. I was gonna say I thought he was one eighty eight, and then he put on a fifteen or twenty pound vest. Dude, he got up to two hundred. I think the vest was like was thirty pounds. Yeah, I wanted to say twenty. I thought he was like eighty eight to to two hundred eight or something like that. So, eighty-seven
1: times two point two is one ninety-one.
0: One ninety-one, and then I thought he had, he had a t- somewhere between ten and twenty pound vest, and he ran what two thirty-eight or something, two forty. I think he ran two forty-two. Outrageous! And he has some legit times. He has run. He ran fourteens in a five k, right? Uh, I don't know about that, but I'm telling. He just ran a
1: thirty-one forty-four um, 10 K and the 68s, what's the craziest? Because I think just obviously with mass, everything has like, you know, it yeah. just becomes incrementally more tough to move mass through distance. So, you know, the interesting thing about why I got excited about this marathon is like I, my power output would be higher than almost any person that had ever come covered that distance. And I look at his times and like, if I really was healthy right now and I had been continuing through my training block, I'd be probably like a 112 to 114 half marathoner. Really. If I'm lucky, yeah, I was really going for like a 232, 230. Um and that would have been like lucky. That guy ran if I if I ran a 114, it would have meant he ran 6 minutes faster than me.
0: Yeah, he is That's he's crazy. Crazy. His his ability to run now he wears it well. He's one of those people that I looked at him and I said he's not two hundred pounds. He's not even close. So he's got to be at least like six one, six two, at least. But he wear his something about his frame. He just wears it throughout there where he doesn't look like a massive person. Now, there's pictures of him running in a cutoff. He doesn't look bulky. So the, whatever his his wear of carrying it is good. But still his his running ability at that weight is probably the best I've seen ever.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I'd say so. I mean, far far above anything I could have ever ran at those at those sizes, so it's fucking crazy. Um, it's something about the men out here, though, dude. When I was spending time in Germany just recently, there was a lot of men my size, if not taller, and they don't look like they, – they don't have like that puff curve muscle by any means, but you could just tell they're dense. Like Mo, who's the other founder of Hyrox, is six two six three. And he was an Olympian and you could just tell like he, even though he doesn't have a lot of muscle, you just know he's a dense man. Mm. He's a dense man. I think it's just for some reason, like it's the structure of people out here and you know what's fucking is, is, is Sebastian Norwegian. I thought he was Norwegian. Dude. Have you seen all the results that's been coming out of Norway? Yeah. So they won the Olympic triathlon this year. They won the 400 meter hurdle this year. They won the mile this year. They got the Sebastian Conrad guy. Like the they're, they're, and they're all white guys. Their yeah. cardiovascular output is insane. And I listened to the triathlon coach in a podcast before the Olympics. They they posted it after the Olympics because obviously the coach became very popular. But their training was interesting. They were not really focusing on intensity. They were focusing on exactly specific zone training, like meaning, okay, we're trying to do the triathlon X amount of time and we know we can only hard X amount of heart rate. So we're not going to race above it. We're not going to race under it. We're going to get these exact, exact intervals for blood lactate and just hit it so perfectly in the pool, on the bike, on the run.
0: I'm obsessed with their training. Uh, the the Ingebrigts and Jakob who won the 1500, they, they put out that family has three professional runners in it and they're coached by their dad who had no background whatsoever. He just read up on nor Norwegian endurance training and Marius Bakken was one of the people who was one of the first people to really prioritize lactate threshold training, but they put out a YouTube documentary series. They allowed a camera crew to follow them for like seven years. So Jakob was like 10 or 11 when this thing started. And so I watched it obsessively all the way through and I've read all their stuff and they are, they are huge into polarized training, but unlike the true polarized training where it's like all aerobic or really intense, they do a ton of threshold work and they do double sessions. They'll do like thousands at lactate threshold in the morning and then 400s at lactate threshold in the evening. And they'll do that two to three times a week. That much intensity? Yeah, but it's all at us prescribed. Like they'll hit four millimoles on the head. They take blood draws after every interval, and they never ever tip over. And so for their for for all their training, they built up to a huge amount.
1: So is that like what would you, what would you say is is it like eighty or eighty five percent?
0: It would be closer to the eighty than the eighty five, because what they do is they do it based on let's say that their their true lactate threshold, which for them is probably extended all the way up to sixty minutes of racing. So they will do, you know, 50 to 60, somewhere in there, but they'll do everything right at, so if they're doing 400s, they'll still do it maybe slightly faster, but they center around that. They don't go faster for the 400s than they do for the thousands. So they just keep volume of training, volume of training. They've built it up from single sessions to double sessions, to double sessions twice a week, to double sessions three times a week. And they just hit so much volume at lactate threshold that when they finally do speed stuff right before competitions... Their ability to regenerate and recover is just outrageous.
1: The fittest I ever was with was with Rich Diaz back in 2017, I think. And my lactate threshold was five, it was held at the five minute, 11 second pace. And um, we did all the testing, we got it down perfectly to the science, and I was banging out the most crazy paces. And he would have me, I was doing a lot of low intensity work. Um, running and biking and then I would go meet with him once to twice a week of just crazy crazy speed work crazy mm-hmm. crazy like the stuff that like VJ uh is really keen on too and it was incredible um I never did much of the blood work I only did the blood work once when uh beat Elite paid for all of us to go to um Texas right Texas a while ago and I can't remember what exactly the numbers were on that. Uh, it was interesting though, dude. Like it, it, it is, it, you have everyone who is obsessed with endurance and wants to become the best at training. You have to stop everything that you're doing and really focus in on what the hell Norway is doing right now. Because if you take that small of a population of country versus the entire world, and they won probably of the most extremely hard events in in Olympics they won out of maybe 10 of them three yeah like the triathlon is so diverse and such high intensity for a cardiovascular sport that's crazy the mile the 1500 meter has been probably the most famous event at the olympics forever and the 400 meter hurdle if just if you're combining speed and athleticism and the intensity output is probably the hardest event i think at the olympics
0: from a burn yeah. standpoint and you know what they've always been good at the nordic sports and so all their kids growing up doing that, they all grew up doing that. They have this huge engine, but the running was never as popular. But this is like the first generation that grew up doing Nordic and moved to running early. So I think they just fully developed their aerobic system as a youth, which we don't do here. Like they're, across the board, their play is aerobic play. And we don't do that here. And then that's the key. It's There's this... this thing that drives me crazy, which is someone like Ingebrigtsen wins, or Warholm wins the 400 meter hurdles, or that guy wins the triathlon. And they they immediately ask, what did he do to get ready for this? Rather than saying, what did he do for 10 years before this block of training? And what he did for 10 years before this is they all grew up playing endurance. And they brought their principles of cross-country skiing over to running.
1: I'm wondering if, you and I dropped everything we were doing right now cross-country skied for a year. How much better we would be or if we'd stay
0: the same or be worse? For me, I'd absolutely be better. I think we'd have to keep some econom- uh, some economy work of running in there, even if it was just strides or uphill 200s throughout it. But I'd absolutely be better because my aerobic foundation has just gone to shit. <laughs> but you can get so much out. It's like cycling. You can do so many more hours of work because there's no impact. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why they become better runners than some other nations is because they can all drive power from their upper body because they skied for years. And at the late stages of the race, if you can rely on another production of power, that's a huge leg up. God, I just never got into skiing and I wish I did. I bought some last winter.
1: Where are you going to go? I mean, I guess you get dumped and you have snow there all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we get we have we have ski hills. I mean, we have ski not hills, but we have we have Nordic skiing here. So, but we can only do it three months a year.
1: I'm gonna try. I'm gonna buy ski mountaineering skis, and oh. I I can't promise that I'm gonna survive this. This is like an open. It's not like a suicide statement. This is like a hey, a hunter doesn't know what he's doing statement. But I'm still gonna do it anyways. So the mountains around my house, the snow probably starts around 3,000 feet, and obviously goes all the way up and it's not really safe snow but i am going to try to do ski mountaineering and skinning up and then come down sh- sh- sh, this winter and i'm either going to be the right. biggest I'm be, i don't even know where to find that but i'm looking at either the biggest savage you've ever met ever or uh your boys just going to be gone like
0: the wind think how good it is for our sport to be able to be aerobic with legs and arms combined for hours at a time
1: well you know i i thought um Spartan Cross was going to come around It was is going to be a very exciting year for sport because it would have been like the ultimate high intensity obstacle course racing thing and I was like I'm coming back baby and you were talking about coming back I was like that is I'm like that is the kind of thing but I don't think upper body like I you could literally chop off one of your arms for OCR event and you could probably make it through at the highest level if you're a really good runner.
0: If you just had like a, a crook on your elbow for like chicken winging through obstacles yeah. Yeah, it's still a running event with obstacles.
1: OCRWC has always pushed. Like when I showed up oh, my sure. first ODO OCRWC, I was really gutted by how hard it was and like how inferior I was to the capabilities that were necessary. Um, I, I I hope Spartan Race hears this podcast and they're like, "We hear you, Bracken and Hunter, and we are going to improve
0: this." If I were a betting man, I'd put my whole life savings on the fact that they're going to hear it and they're going to evolve immediately.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no. they put. It- Tough mutter Tough Mutter's coming back in a big way, dude. They got world's toughest mutters coming back with a cash category this year. Like there's a couple things that are coming back
0: mm-hmm.
1: in what could potentially be an exciting opportunity.
0: Spartan Cross would get me out of bed in the morning. That is exciting. I think so too, dude.
1: I think like I don't know why innovation has like kind of like hit this dead spot in our sport, but I, I think I think it'd be really, really, really cool. And I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here and like, I listened to this, like I'm sitting here talking to you and everything. And when you said like, why are you doing it at first, when you, uh, when Macaulay asked you why you're doing it, I thought he was questioning why you're doing this podcast. And, (laughs) um, I'm like, I was like, because he loves it. And I was like, I still think about it. I was like, I still love our sport too. I don't even do OCR anymore, but like, I, I still love
0: it. I love the idea of it. I really do. Yeah. Hunter, I raced on Saturday. Where? I went to the middle of nowhere and I ran the Midwest Beast. How'd it go? Terrible. I took fifth place. I got beat by four people I've never lost to in my life. Well, that's okay. And it was such a good... And I did it intentionally because I figured out... I said this on the last podcast. I, I finally realized my process. I don't adapt until I fail spectacularly. And my goal is to be back in 2022 racing big races and doing big things. So I had to give myself a place to fail now, so I didn't fail then. Like I needed a wake up call now. Well, you know, didn't you come back and race Jacksonville? Yeah, but I tore my calf a mile in. Okay. So I didn't. I didn't do a single obstacle.
1: I thought you told me you'd, there was one. Oh, maybe you did do that. I thought you went and did a race and you didn't feel great or something like that. So you tore your your calf. A mile in. Yeah, I think you just need to fucking go through a whole series, obviously healthy, mm-hmm. and you're going to catch your stride. You're going to catch your stride, and it it's either it's like either get trampled and get up and rise to the occasion, or you're just going to be stuck under, you know, and get trampled.
0: Yeah, and my point wasn't to t- let's talk about me and my training. It was just to say like I just I say like OCR, I'm frustrated with it, and I just I needed assist. I needed a, a- like a come to Jesus moment. I needed to be embarrassed and I went and signed up for a Spartan race, paid 200 some dollars to go out and just get my ass handed to me by all the local boys. Dude. That was the first thing I thought of when I was on my
1: back at the end of the high rocks. I was like, fuck this. Like, I cannot believe I'm right here right now. I was like, I think I need to do a Spartan race. Yeah. I thought about it and I was like, I think I just need to feel my feet running really, really fast again and just have that, that experience. Like, I remember I I was talking like after the whole event, like Megita and I were traveling around Germany for a little bit, which was great to get to catch up with him again. But we were talking about all the stuff that we used to do and just like some of the experiences. And we had so much fun. Like those superhero scrambles out in the middle of nowhere (laughs) and stuff. Just like booking it through like random crabgrass in the middle of nowhere, Florida. I was like, damn, man, that was
0: cool. That's how this race felt. The, the terrain was so gnarly and fun and rough. Like the stuff that if a cross country runner went through it, they'd be like, I will never run this race again. This is foolish. We should not be touching this stuff with our feet. That's how the race was. It was so much fun.
1: I'm glad you had a good time.
0: You know what? I I felt something during the race that i that I feel like everyone should feel so that they can train harder. And that was that like at some point the race begins, like there's all this preamble where everyone's doing their thing and then it gets really serious and no one's talking anymore. And it's like, it's time that you're trying to take people's heads off so that they can't finish strong. And the people who are fit and good can make a move at that point and surge and like rewatching the races, you guys in, in Monterey, you guys uh, in Asheville were throwing surges back and forth at each other, right? Even even two-thirds, of three-quarters of the way through the race, it was surge research. And then there's the other people who get to a point where I got Saturday where I realized if a bear came out on course, I couldn't run any faster than I can move right now. If a guy mm. came out with a knife, he would just kill me. Like, I couldn't resist. If a relatively strong teenage girl walked out and said, I'm going to choke you out, I a couldn't have run away from her, and b I couldn't have defended myself. Like I was just so tired, I couldn't make a move, let alone save my life. Is this you just? A, is this just an undertrain bracket, or is this just? Oh, yeah. Okay, I was so. About to say, out of but yeah. the point is, like, we get. to... I think you need to feel that point to realize that I would lose my life right now if anyone cared to take it from me. Like we should be in a point where we can make a surge when we want to, and you should feel that feeling of I am utterly done and i couldn't have any say in anything right now in order to train harder
1: i remember someone asked me why i lift weights so much on time and i said because have you ever seen the people from world's strongest man i was like if they came after me and they try to take me one of my children i was like i don't want to be the guy who can't fight them off <laughs> i want to be able to i want thor or the mountain to be able to come up to me and i'm like rah, i just like have my insane dad shrink them to pieces
0: You met a guy a couple of weeks ago, a buddy of mine, Jay Nutini. You did a mountain bike ride with him? Oh,
1: shoot. Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy was great.
0: Yeah. So he's a guy I've coached throughout the years and he's a buddy of mine now. And he has this thing called gas station fit. He's from out from Jersey area, you know, so they have weird, weird stuff happens, but what you would call barroom fit. He's like, at the very least, I got to have enough lifting in my life that I'm gas station fit. That if someone comes up to you at a gas station, you can fight them off, tossle with them. I don't know what they're doing at their gas stations out there. I've never been in a gas station fight, but like barroom fit, like you need to be strong enough that you can handle your own business at a gas station. So that's what I think now. I'm, I'm going to do some gas station lifting today. Jersey, Jersey's a tough state, dude. Jersey's... I mean, he's actually in Maine, I think, but no, I think he's he's, he's, he's not Maine. He's, made, he's Rhode Trump. Island. Rhode Island, Ro- Rhode Island. But that's Island close enough to in. Jersey.
1: Dude, I spent the whole summer in Rhode Island and it's just such a small state. Like literally you can be in the butt crack of Rhode Island and people from where you just were know the people right there.
0: Yeah.
1: And vice versa. It was kind of like one of the more pleasant experiences I've had in a long time. We just, we stayed at this beach house and we'd walk to the beach and I'd come out and I'd go over here to eat my food and I'd come back in and then I'd go to the gym. It was just like three little quick road that I would take everywhere. And I knew everybody by the end of the summer and it was just incredible. And I kind of liked it.
0: Like my, I want to get, I almost want to make my world smaller and smaller and smaller. Did you get to a point in high rocks in, in Germany that someone could have stepped out and taken your life or were you still competent at the end? Trashed.
1: I wish you could, I hope the video comes out. Like I won't watch it because I I was there and I saw it In from, I, I had, there's like, there's this like peripheral hunter, Staring down on this hunter and it just hit. like we went out really, really hard. And I went out in the way that I was like, I'm either going to run like my world record pace and destroy all these people. I didn't even consider in my head that I could have failed. And then all of a sudden, um, I was yelling at the judge because one of the guys cheated he had someone hand him gloves, and I very specifically asked. I was like, before the race, I was like, "Hey, can we have people hand us stuff on course?" And they were like, "No,"
0: because Lucas always has that, right? I don't know about Lucas. Yeah, yeah I Miami. I saw him. He kept coming through, grabbing bottles, grabbing gloves. Yeah. Well, dude, some
1: guy was who's leading the whole race was handed gloves. And I'm yelling at the judge, and I'm like, dude, this guy's fucking cheating. Take care of him. He's like, we'll hear about it later. I was like, no, dude, he's leading the fucking race. Take care of it now, or people are going to try to chase him, and they may fail trying to chase a cheater. And then all of a sudden, I'm pulling a sled, and I just looked over to the right, and I was like, oh, shit, Toby's, like, really close. And then we came out, and we ran together, and Toby went out ahead of me, and I, I tried to, like, gun it, and I was like, I'm not going anywhere. And then we started doing – I was like, I'm going to fucking smash them on the burpees. And then I started doing burpees, and I was laying down in between reps. I saw that. And I was like, what's happening? And the only other time I felt like this in the past several years of my career was in the middle of my Murph uh, Murph record attempt where I was just doing push-ups, and I was like, my arms aren't moving and then I started doing squats and I started breaking on the squats a lot. And then I was running on the way back during the Murph record and I had to stop on the run.
0: Hmm. And I was just like, what the fuck? And I don't even know, man. It was so hard for me to watch your burpees because you are, I'd say you're probably the best at burpees of anyone in Hyrox at the burpee broad jumps. Your burpee broad jumps are so concise and, they just chain together so smoothly and you look good first rep to last rep and then you run out of them. I almost feel it's like your people look at your sleds, which I think your sleds set everyone else up for failure, but you put the race away at burpees, I think. And seeing you rest, I just thought like, I Hunter, I've never seen you intentionally quit in a race. You're up there on like my Mount Rushmore of toughest people I've raced. So I don't, I don't look for that. So I looked at that and I just thought he's so cracked right now. He's he's, he has to be just furious at whatever his body is doing to him right now.
1: Yeah. And I literally felt like someone could just come up and just grab me off the ground. Just take me away. If you wanted to know the moment, it was when I was going into burpees and then I pushed back into downward dog and I was like, I was like, I don't even know. And then, and like Yakub, the head judge was like, "Dude, you are not like." He's like, "I am going to no rep you if you don't put your chest to the ground." I was going out and landing, and immediately going into this because I was having such like hard time, dude. I don't know if you noticed, I started in a tank top, like a mm-hmm. tank top of nothingness. My body was so out of whack that I had to take off my tank top because I felt that that little flimsy thing was creating too much core temperature for me. Like I don't know what the fuck happened. It's 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 beyond me and I'm not going to make excuses for myself other than the fact that I should have trained so hard for this thing that this was never even an option of having a conversation about. But if the whole this, all this got spurred up because if there was ever a point where I felt so vulnerable that I could be taken away like a child, that was my time. Yeah, it was shitty dude. Um, but I mean, listen, it was very inspiring. I have to say, I'm very excited. Like I haven't taken out a notepad and wrote down notes about time splits on on High rocks ever before, like I was just like I had all out, I got everything down i've been on the Tom Hogan and I are racing. Tom Hogan's this savage um Irish guy who took seventh at worlds this year off his first time trying, and he won the v c f uh and he and I are going to go set the uh high rocks world record for doubles this weekend we cool. hope to, we hope to set it um and if I, you I, don't I, don't come home. I know I've, I've had a th- piece of paper out and I've been literally like, I've just been studying it and I've been calling him and talking about it. Like this right here is the bot. This is, this right here is like the, the treasure chest map.
0: This is hungry hunter though. This is what I love to see. This is why <laughs> yeah. you need to lose sometimes. I know. That's nice. It's nice. This piece
1: of paper right here. You could take my wallet and have all the other valuables in the room. But if you took this piece of paper, I fight you to the death.
0: <laughs> this is it though this is that same smile and like a little bit of crazy gleam in your eye that i heard in 2013 and 2015 and 27 like this is it this is what you need i love it
1: yeah i'm happy to be back dude um yeah i actually was honestly thinking about retiring this year i was like why do it anymore
0: yeah
1: (sighs) you gotta get kicked in the nuts real hard to feel that burn You
0: do. I mean, you can run off desire or you can run on, on some, some hatred. (laughs) And sometimes late stage career, you need someone to piss you off. Yeah.
1: I don't, I don't, I actually don't do a lot of the things or the great things in my life through joy. I do it all through hate. Not necessarily like hate. Like I really just like, it's, it's a
0: different fuel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's that combination of, I don't know, like desperation and, and arrogance and fear and and anger that someone would try to beat you or have the audacity to want to want to think about beating you. Like it's always it was always a little bit of a desperate feeling to me. Yeah. Like man, if I if I lose this, are you kidding me? You know the funniest thing is is you
1: listen to the way we're talking about this right now, the guy Toby who won is the sweetest person you've ever met. He's like a he's like a teddy bear. You're like just oh, just, just Toby is Toby. i was like gosh, Toby. I went to the store and I immediately bought him a horse, like a really cool looking pony. I got him this little pony that uh, I found in the grocery store, and I was like, "You're you're the prize horse now, Toby." I was like, "You deserve this." And the way he like took it, he was like, oh. "I was like gosh, Toby." Like everything about you, I was like, "If I was ever gonna lose to somebody, you're the sweetest man on earth." And you
0: can't be I mean, mad at losing to him. No, at no,
1: point. he's just such a sweet man. I was like, gosh. He reminds me a little bit of Hobie. There's just, it's just kind of like the antithesis, like Hobie on his, like, I remember when Hobie and I were racing in 2013 at Spartan Race World Championships, Um, like, you know, we were duking it out back and forth and he told this story about how I passed him and I was a couple minutes ahead of him in the woods and then I started cramping up and I was holding onto the tree, like crying, and I called out to him to help me. Because like I felt like he had that kind of energy and kindness as a man. Like he actually would have stopped. He's like, dude, I, I can't do anything for you. He's like, good luck. That's the kind of man Hobie was. I would never, like, if I was racing Ryan Atkins or somebody or like John Albin, not that they're bad guys, but I would never call out to them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Killington puts you in an emotional spot. It's Hugs. it'll bring out that. Hobie Hobie was the nicest assassin I ever met in my life. All right. Hugs you and then slips it in. He was so sweet. He really wanted you to do well, and he was so happy when he took your life away on the race cars. He was gleeful about it in the nicest way. Predictions. Do you think his son's got what it takes? I do. It's going to be nice to see another competitive call out there. It will be. Now, I want to see him on like one other style of course first.
1: I but. think he actually probably is more dangerous and at Jacksonville, than he is in those
0: mountains. It takes years to Oh, build. yeah. I want to see technical. Yeah. He to... for sure is, is he's he's a better runner than he is mountain guy currently, but his downhills are good. I want to see yeah. him on a technical, t- like, like an like Asheville. Palmerton. Okay. Asheville. Or
1: a Palmerton. Palmerton is probably the hardest course I've ever done. Like from a, like a sketchy standpoint, Palmerton and Killington sucked. Take more than Wintergreen? Like, if, they, if you took out the riverbed section of Wintergreen, it's still very, very technical, but the riverbed made it just like so unsafe and unlogical,
0: but that Spartan race. Yeah. Palmertons, that like rocky descents and stuff, those are uh, wild.
1: Just like truly when you're going such a fast pace that you're like vertically dropping like three to five feet at a step. And it's just like, it, I thought about it. So like, I'm an ankle person. Like I've rolled my ankle so many times. Like anytime I'm taking a step of like slight risk, I'm having like panic attacks. Like my lungs are tightening up. I'm getting nervous and I just hate that style running. I will never, I
0: will never miss it. I don't understand yours because everyone I know who's an ankle person is slightly pigeon toed and you've got those goofy duck feet going and you still roll it. I don't know anyone who toes out and still keeps rolling their ankle like that. And you managed to. You're a special man. I think it's just because of the amount of mass that I carry. It doesn't take much.
1: A joint's still a
0: joint, but you give it 80 more pounds.
1: Yeah, I never rolled an ankle ever in my youth, and I did much crazier stuff in my youth. And then I remember the first time I rolled my ankle was at Spartan Race 2013 Vegas. And I remember I just started racing against those guys, and I also just started finding out about CrossFit. So this is when I started to really start – I was no longer just bodybuilding and pressing stuff. I was like putting four plates on the side of the bar and deadlifting every session that I could. And this was like a couple times a week. And I was trying to squat 300 pounds. And I was also trying to do 10-mile tempo runs. And I think I started to like – I'll never forget. I came into the hotel and David Megiddo looked at me and he's like, dude, you are massive. Like you've gotten bigger. And I was like, yes. And then I rolled my ankle. And I was already probably in the upper
0: 190s at that point. Yeah. I, I have a vivid memory of you at the hotel in Vegas because that's the one we all got brought in for. Yep. And I walked in and you were sitting – I think you were in like this uh, this flannel shirt. And I walk in and, and Hobie's there and I'm there and you're there. And you're doing like your wild man thing and you're being loud and you pretended the head kick Hobie. <laughs> and you came up and like – gave me a half hug and I thought, I feel like a child next to this man. He's so thick now. I swear he was not this thick the last time I saw him. Yeah. Yeah. I got like, that's when I got into lifting.
1: I never hurt myself. The the summer that we did, um, all that stuff in the mountains of Yatskou, I got down to one seventy eight. never hurt my ankle once. Hmm. I just think that like the, you know, now I'm bigger and I actually haven't had ankle injuries in years. Um, but you know tendons that's and ligaments city
0: field huh
1: that's in city field tendons and ligaments grow at 1/100th one one of the of the um the rate that muscle fiber do so if you gain 15 pounds of like quality quality weight in a year and you run on it it will take you 5 years to be able to handle that um is that correct is that 10 years Not one hundred. It's one one hundred. It should be one hundred years. years. Wow. wow, wow. So that can't be right.
0: But I know what you're saying that the amount of time it takes you can get you can get power and strength way quicker than you can get supportive tissue. Yeah, and that's a big issue people run into. But all right, I have one last question before we go to OCR stars. No one knocked me for that math. Nah, we don't care about math. We're doers, not thinkers. Thank God. Okay, we're cool. Same page. So you're two twelve now. And a massive meat hog, and can put out some power, and you're down to one seventy eight running crazy miles with Mr. Yatsko. What is your x like what is your perfect power to weight? Wait? Where is your most dangerous one ninety two one ninety two that's so high no you think you don't think that anything below that you get running advantages out of without losing power power that's necessary. I raced TMX
1: 2018 at 192 and I was deadlifting 500 pounds like I could show you the picture no questions asked 500 pounds and I was racing in the low 15s for the 5k and it was not an issue like I, and I was cleaning in the high 200s and like so just I'm just talking about from like a how much weight I could move versus mm-hmm. like I don't think a 14 and a half minute hunter. Versus like a 15, five, 15 hunter, um, like I know that's forty-five seconds, but I don't think that forty-five seconds would have won me races the way that's being able to deadlift five hundred pounds and move weight like just snap it just all the time. Like just moving one hundred and thirty-five pound barbell up overhead into the ground for dozens of reps back to back, like there's just a snap point, but like I'll totally admit like I have a, there's a lot of vanity in who I am as a person like I'm I can even tell when I'm moving around right now I'm like damn that tank top looks good on me as soon as I drop down into those lower um lower weights like it I definitely lose some of the size of manliness of who I am as a person so if I could take all vanity out and psychological connection to it um 192 is great When I started.
0: Can you? Is that
1: worth it for a world title? Fuck, dude. There's no. I always say this to people there's nothing sexier than a world championship title. There's nothing sexier than being a world champion. Just damn
0: truth. So are you going to race at 192 for the next. for Spartan Cross and for for Hyrox?
1: 100%, dude. I'm starving myself right now. It's not an eating disorder. It's just an obsession. It's just. uh, I don't give a shit. Like, I just. I'm I'm upset. I would rather just come in and just peel the bark off a tree because I'm so fucking fit, like just bolting by than question it anymore. Yeah. There's I just know that there's I'm not going to get affected on the sleds. I'm not going to be affected on the carries or anything like that. And all of a sudden let's I'm not no longer 212 I was when I started. Um Now I've lost some weight just through the fasting thing, and I'll probably pick up the calories once I reach this point where it's like a diminishing return on the calorie deficit. But if you think about it, I'm truly taking off a 20-pound vest.
0: We have not yet seen a Hyrox Hunter who is a strong runner for you. You're a strong runner always because you're very talented, but we haven't seen you in running fitness at Hyrox yet. You've been just kind of getting out there and staying in control on the runs. Yeah. No one's seen you attack yet. And that's scary if it happens.
1: Well, I'm doing the math. And if I could run 337s is like 337s average is my next goal for High Rocks. That's 10.131 miles an hour. It's 18-minute 5K pace, 3606 pace, which is not crazy at all. But in High Rocks terms, it is very, very challenging.
0: Well, and that gives you the ability to run 345s casually if you wanted to, if you wanted to over Revastation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm going back to it. I'm getting the science down.
0: I like it. All right. So we're, we're a year later, and we are at OCR Stars 2. You're back in. Because I get all your emails, I can't miss the fact that OCR Stars is coming back.
1: I know. I've been actually calling you about this for the past month. But the emails, that's just my – like, you know, that's just – kind of like hitting you from the side also coming from the front, but I'm getting you from the side a little bit from the back. You know, you're surrounded by it at this point. I respond well from behind.
0: Yeah. Let's go. Call those bottoms. Blank. I'm a bottom. <laughs> 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 oh,
1: OCR stars. Talk to okay. me. Okay. Sorry. 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 Got a lot of topic. Um, Yeah. Like I had to recover from last year. It took me a long time to do it. And by the time I realized, um, it was happening again, it was already like one year later. I actually started the idea in July 20, July 4th weekend, 2020. And I decided in July 4th, while I was home with my family that I was going to launch it again this year.
0: Is it because you saw our beer mile and burpee 10 K and you realize you need to do something big? You did. You do the beer mile, burpee ten k again? No, last year is. Did we incept this idea?
1: Oh no, no, no! But you guys are always inspiration. You guys always are inspiration. Don't give me that.
0: Thing. I don't want that. Continue. No. Uh, July fourth with your family. You decided to continue and do it again. Why? Because it's not like this like retirement plan for you.
1: No, it isn't at all. But I think as I told you, I was kind of like reaching this point of where I was going to really go. I'm like, am I going to continue to compete anymore? Or am I going to do this? And I was like, what really just, I need something that's like really going to challenge me. And OCR stars was such a challenge last year, massively. And I was just like, I'm going to go for it again. And we're going to do bigger and we're going to do better. And I was like, all right, how am I going to make this experience feel bigger and better? I was like, what's the craziest thing I could do in this position? I was like, all right, I'm going to try to give away a car. I was like, what's something no one's done? And it was the car idea that popped into my head. And I was like, okay, how can I figure out how to do this? And I did all the research and I know how I can get away with it now. And it's definitely costly. Like it's, there's no way of hiding from the cost of buying a car. And I was like, I'm going to try to pull it off. And if I fail, I still walk away with the fact that I'm the first person ever in OCR to give away a car. Joe Desena didn't do it. Well, Dean didn't do it. Sam Abbott didn't do it. Adrian didn't do it. I did it. I can say that I pulled something off that was a game changer in our industry. To a winner or to a random, total random. Anybody can win this. Literally, huh. right now, you just have to sign up. We put you like I've done this before. Like whenever I do raffle giveaways for sponsors and stuff, I, there's an app. Uh, sorry, there's a website, and you just Put every, you take everyone's emails and you just put it into the thing. You click it and just boom. So
0: one registration equals one entry and everyone has equal odds. The likelihood that you are going to win this
1: car is greater than any other gambling thing you probably have ever been involved in or ever will be involved in, in your entire life. Just based on statistics. Like the likelihood of you willing, winning the Power Bowl is like 1 million and 1 million. Like it's just, it, it's, an, it's an unfathomable number. The likelihood of you winning a scratch-off ticket, just insane. Likelihood of you going in and spinning uh, when you bet on red and roulette, it's like the same crazy odds. Um, and I did that thinking in my head. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. But mostly I did it for myself uh, in the way that I was like, this is what's going to get me out of bed to get this thing started again. The event is for the masses. The giving away of the car was the kick in the butt that I needed. Um, and you know, if not, you're gonna
0: put up the car either way, you better get some signups. Fuck yeah!
1: Oh, dude, like I literally on my phone every single day, and I can show you messages. People, I have no clue who the hell they are. I'm like, hey, I see the OCR. It's interesting. I actually have an event. It's called OCR Stars, and if you're not interested already, I'm giving away a Jeep. So now you should be interested. Like, I, I'm. I'm just like on the edge of my seat every five minutes just trying to make it work. Um, I'm hustling out here. I'm talking to gym owners. I'm talking to sponsors all the time, and it's an exciting feeling. Um, And I have a really good team, Uh, you know, the team that supported me for a while, my manager, Augie, and uh, Nick's going to come on and help us film with camera stuff again this year. Uh, I hired Callie as a full-time employee. You know Callie. Mm -hmm. Um, She helps out. She's the greatest. In Uh, fact –
0: Hunter, you may have noticed I checked my phone two minutes ago. Callie just texted. Hey, Bracken, I just wanted to say I'm sorry to hear about your grandma. My condolences to you and your family. Wow. Look at that girl. She's a sweetheart. You hired a good
1: employee. She's really, really good. Uh, I I invited her over to come visit this summer, the family, and my mom was like, that girl is the sweetest thing I've ever met. She is. Yeah, I was just like, that's cool. So – I've got a really good support crew this year. So I think obviously like, the stress is going to go down um, from an organiza- like, organizing standpoint. And it just gives me the opportunity to take a lot more risks and just try to go for gold this year.
0: All right. So last year you had one-mile run, six-mile run, grip chipper and... Gripper, mountain, chipper, burpee gripper chipper, burpee mountain. So yes. four events, two running, two gym-based, and had some some studs come out. What is the competition looking like this year in terms of the actual breakdown of the events compared to last year? This year it's
1: three events. Um, It's going to be one full run, one full gym, one hybrid.
0: Ooh, I like that.
1: Yep. So I just was like, how are we going to identify the sport at a better level? I put one thing in there and I'm going to let everybody know. I put a deadlift in there this year. The one reason why I put the deadlift in there is because I watched everybody at Jacksonville every single year show up at the tire and some of the best athletes cannot flip the tire. And then they lose the race and they're like, oh, it's so stupid. There's a tire. I'm like, Yokohama has been a sponsor of Spartan race for like four fucking years now. I was like, you guys need to learn how to like train that movement pattern. So it's in there. And I want to warm everybody so that nobody can show up and be like, that's so unfair. Like when did OCR become a weightlifting event? And like, it's been there. I can't make it a tire flip event because not everybody has a tire, but um, like that's like one facet. So I just have continued to study like the movement patterns of our sport to show who's really the best. And I really think that you're going to see very, very similar people get up to the top again.
0: Well, I mean, even look at Spartan games, right? Ryan Atkins didn't know how to deadlift and he picked it up serviceably enough to deadlift 225, several, several, like what, a dozen times or something like that. So you can't be –
1: no, and he also like, uh, no offense, Kent, but Kent didn't finish the stone ladder, and Atkins, who's far weaker than Kent, picked up a stone and put it on top like it was like you know just pure brute strength. You'll overcome the challenge if it's there for you. Yeah. So, uh. We created those three tests and then also we increased upon the team series. Last year we just did teams and like I had like, I was like, let's just do it and like get, because it is part of our sport. Like, you know, OCR team events have been around ever since the inception of it. Uh, but we didn't really kind of create a system that was going to make people want to compete in it and make it very competitive. Uh, so this year we made it the relay, um, a relay version. And that's what I'm going to compete in it in this year. So there's male, female, and co ed three man team three female uh, three female team and co-ed has to have at least one female and basically it's a relay format so if it was the six mile run from last year what would happen is is one person would run two miles then pass the baton which would be your phone if you're recording Strava or a watch then the next person then the next person mm-hmm. as far as so the- each
0: thing's a relay not event to event to event one leg one leg one leg.
1: Yeah, it's every, it's just like the four by four, like you, you take your section, and then you pass it off. There's no coming back in once you passed it off. Um, just because I want to keep things like, you know, basically organized and um, like no questions and risks for the judge to be like, Hey, what's going on here? So, and as far as the gym thing goes, like in the gym workout, there's going to be a part B part C part, and there's cash on, uh, for teams, all, all three teams, co-ed male and female. Um, so we definitely made it a really exciting thing. Like I'm trying to somehow increase the aspect and participant level in the sport. So from the level of people that are already competing in our sport, I'm doing my best to make it a better experience and
0: also bring in other athletes. I like that. How much are you, are you given away in terms of details of the event? What do you mean? Like when, when are you releasing event details? Like event workout one? Are you saying when you say workout? Yeah.
1: Um, I think basically like I'm going to start to like give it starting October 1st. We're going to start releasing information just so that like gyms and everybody's like super prepared. So like workout one, I'll release probably week, uh, the first week, of October when we do our, uh, athletic brewing annual beer mile. So mm-hmm. by the way, if anybody who's listening to this right now, um, it's a thousand dollars for one male, and one female for the fastest beer mile
0: times, uh, starting October 1st for a week fastest in the world ever or fastest that's been done f- through athletic brewing No fastest like we're going to put
1: it out there and as long as you tag athletic brewing and Oh OCR you don't have to break stars, the record
0: just No 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 fastest no, just, in October
1: just in that week just in that week so everybody has the chance to do it um just because I know that like athletic brewing's everywhere now we're not going to force people to drink athletic brewing even though we think it's great uh so you just drink four beers do four laps um, but we'll release workout one. Then we'll release workout two, probably within the following couple of days and then, you know, workout three by the end. Awesome.
0: Yeah. What's think, the date uh,
1: of it? October
0: what? Well, it starts November 1st. No, November 1st. So one month prior you release the first yeah. workout.
1: So can I convince you to compete against me in the all male team? Do you got anybody out there that you consider to be
0: studs? Yeah, we got, some, I got some studs. Do you have, who's your, studs? who's your team?
1: Uh, I will probably do it with my friend, Phil, who's not really an OCR guy. And then I'm going to try to see if I can bring in my buddy, John, who helped me start the company last year.
0: And it's got to all be done in the same location. Obviously we can't, it has to be together.
1: Like I want, like, I wanted it to be just like you were racing OCRWC. Remember when we did that a couple of years back? Like it it's blast. got, yeah, it was awesome. And I was just like, man, I haven't felt that in a while. So I was like, how are we going to get more people to do the team thing? So I decided that I'm going to promote it just by doing it myself. Um, obviously, we're going to film individual and team, and we're going to try to see if we can beat the individuals. And it's it's going to be fucking badass, dude. Like I, I'm really really excited.
0: But hopefully, Macaulay's still in town. We'll have two crackers, and then we'll get someone else. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Well, listen, I we're already close to October first in this podcast. When's it going to come
0: out? Tomorrow. Oh, Tomorrow really? morning. Yeah, we're putting this baby right out.
1: Well. Since you took such time out of your day, I'll release event one. Event one is a three mile run. Event one's a three mile run. So as an individual Not five K. Not five K. Not five K. It's it's just the thing is what we did it last time. It's like, remember how I didn't do a 10K, I did a six mile run. I didn't want to take I don't want to take the risk of just like anybody screwing this up. It's always about the judges, to be honest. Yeah. Um So the three mile run is something that is like, you know, it's a 5k. Basically everybody wants to know what's your 5k time. What's your 5k time. What's your 5k time. So you're going to find out by the end of event one, um, go out there, book it. Uh, you know, we can, we're still going to make it available if you want to film it at a track and we're still going to have the rules around it where it's like, you cannot have a negative gain on the continuous run. Otherwise we're just going to call you out for being, you know, a cheater Question for
0: you then, because this will get asked: Can it be an out and back that's slightly uphill, slightly downhill, but ends at the same spot?
1: Sure, as long as it's like not like 250 feet up, 250 feet down. Like we're just going to try to make sure that there's not aggressive amounts of down gain. And I'll put this all in the notes. Cool. I'll put this all in the notes. Like last year, we had the rule of like it cannot be, it could not be. Uh, a loss of more than a
0: hundred feet within the entire run. That's what we did for six miles. Yeah. Which is still an outrageous amount of drop.
1: Yeah. Well, dude, this one guy got so upset. He clearly was every single mile was negative downhill and he (laughs) kept it like up to like 97 feet, negative gain. And uh, the head judge pulled his score. I was like, dude, we're not taking this. And he got furiously upset, like started this whole rant and was blaming OCR stars for being just like, you know, monsters but I think everybody really loves the idea of a fast 5K, and I'm giving it the option. Um, we're going to invite out some sick runners this year to really put it together. And I obviously want to see the best out of everybody. And if you guys want to come compete and you're in the Southern California area now that COVID is mostly no longer an issue, uh, hit us up. Obviously, we'd love to have you come out for the filming. We're going to have a pretty big body of people out there for the filming, and we'll supply you know snacks, drinks, and high fives at the finish line
0: sweet what are you doing for uh for the top end for prizes
1: uh i think it's 3000 2000 1000 for men and for women men women and then uh and then individual uh, for teams i think it's 1500 250
0: okay and are you doing any sort of little giveaway stuff for individual events
1: uh I mean, we're still trying to line things up with sponsors like we're giving away Ice Barrels, we're giving away. I can't guarantee our clothing sponsor yet because we haven't signed the deal. Um, Athletic Brewing, we're giving away. We've got Strong Coffee as a sponsor giving away stuff. So, you know, we've got shoe companies that are going to come on board, but I can't tell you the level of the partnership that's been formed yet. But obviously, we are building everything up as a company, and we're trying to offer the best things possible. But right now, what I can guarantee you is if you do sign up, you have the likelihood of winning a Jeep. And if you want to be as competitive as possible, you have the likelihood of winning cash. And the final piece of this, which is ultimate a goal, which I'm working with another person in the OCR industry to uh, really put together is you will qualify for a physical version of this for the 2022 season. What does that mean? It's going to be making zero promises. I'm just giving
0: you ambitions. Like a non-virtual competition? Yeah, yeah. Physical competition. I like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. At Steve Austin's ranch? Basically
1: something like that. It will be like much more extreme versions of bits and pieces of what make our sport. Like I'll give you a very obvious one that I want to do is I'm working with a rig company to create. Remember when they used to do King of the Rig uh, Mm -hmm. at OCRWC? Like something like that that's very, very cool. Like just make it as fucking badass as possible that we can put – somewhat mass participation through not obviously big numbers but like bigger than you probably have seen before and through a cooler competition
0: i like it we'll the see people that. need a virtual competition hunter we haven't had one in a while
1: i know dude i was like come on guys so what have you been doing you've been going all these stupid spartan races why don't you want to do a virtual run a virtual turkey trot
0: yeah why go see people when you don't have to
1: when you could just stay home and record it on your strava
0: yeah, and then go right in the house and and eat your food rather than have to drive to the stop and go. Listen, I'm holding
1: it, holding you to it. You better make a three man team because I'm I'm making the three man team series this year competitive.
0: I gotta find Wisconsin's best then.
1: Look, all you have to do is just run one hard mile, which is like your forte. You I'm can worry rock- about
0: me. Find two other boys they can rumble,
1: dude. Go out there and cook a four thirty. And then pass it off, and your two friends can run 6.30s, and you'd probably still be in, like, the top five. Deal.
0: And then warm up your deadlift. Warm up my deadlift.
1: Well, dude, it's 11.30 here, so I got a couple minutes, and I got to say goodbye.
0: All right, then I just only have one question left. Mm-hmm. What? Because we've talked a lot about what a, what a runner needs to be able to do and put out serious weight. What is your baseline for that is an acceptable male effort in the weight room for an endurance athlete so deadlift bench what's an squat. acceptable number yeah what, what do people have to hit in order to have your blessing that they're a strong runner i think you need to be able to deadlift three plates you need to
1: be able to squat front i'd say i think it's more impressive and cool to front squat 225 but be able to at least back squat 225 so it's three plates on the bar for deadlift 225 for squats and as far as bench press you should be able to bench press your own body weight like at least ten times. Like I think I think like I remember reading about what the Nordic skiers were doing and they were trying to get their Nordic skiers, like high level Nordic skiers to be able to bench press their body weight 20 times. Um so I think I think you should be able to hit those numbers. I think safe to say that if you don't want to get kidnapped, those should be male numbers across the board. That's right. Gas station
0: strength boys.
1: Mm-hmm
0: All right, go get some sleeve, Hunter. Keep doing the Lord's work out there.
1: All right, lover boy. It was really good seeing you in your shoe collection. Thank you so much for having me
0: on, dude. See you soon. See you, brother.